Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Fresh Frozen Southerner podcast. My name is Jay. I hope all is well. All right, guys. Uh, first thing out of the gate, I want to revisit a show I did about a month ago. Uh, this is one dealing with the vegan lifestyle and the fact that you cannot eat vegan without causing the death of a few animals. I was watching a documentary about the impossible meat industry. Uh, it's a very good documentary. It's put out by Vinnie Tortridge. It's on uh, Amazon Prime. I recommend it if you'd like to see it. Uh, it was interesting. But they had a gentleman in that documentary that was talking about exactly what I was talking about, how when you run those giant combine harvesters through a field, there are going to be some animals killed. Now, this guy is as vegan as vegan can be. I don't remember his name exactly. It was something like like Edward Earth, something something that pretentious along those lines. But I'm probably remembering his name wrong because I am horrible with names. But this gentleman was saying that, you know, yes, animals can get killed when they're harvesting crops. But he said that it doesn't happen very often and that it is incidental to what they're trying to do. And the analogy that this gentleman used was that if he's driving his car to go to the grocery store or go into town, there is a possibility that he could run over and kill a dog. And he said, you know, if that happens, that was not my intention. I'm not morally responsible for the death of the dog. It's just an accident that happens every once in a while. Well, Mr. Earth, that is a very nice little fantasy you've got built up in your head. I'm sure that helps you sleep at night and it helps you maintain this feeling of superiority that you have for being vegan. But I do want to point out a couple of flaws in your little analogy there. Uh, the first one, let's replace the word possibility with absolute certitude. Because it's not that animals can get killed from time to time by a combine harvester. Every time you run that combine harvester, you are going to kill animals. Now, a lot of them are worms and insects and stuff that even the vegans don't really seem to care about. But it's also mice and moles and rabbits and pheasants and quails and hell, turkeys and deer sometimes. But every time you run that harvester, you're killing animals. And it's not just the ones we don't care about. It's not the icky ones with more than four legs. It's all kinds of animals. There is no way you can get all the animals out of a field before you run that harvester through it. And you're going to run over some. You're going to pull some into the machine. It happens every single time. So your little I hit a dog with my car analogy needs to go every single time I get in my car and drive to town, I run over a dog. And again, you're not intentionally running over the dog, but it happens every single time. And you know, when you're climbing into the driver's seat of that car, you're going to run over a dog sometime in the next five minutes. That puts a little bit different spin on your analogy, I feel like. I know you don't want to think of it that way because you have wrapped up your self-esteem in the fact that you're just a better human than the rest of us evil meat eaters. But you need to deal with reality on reality's terms. When you're eating your whole grain bread for breakfast, animals died so that that slice of bread could hit your plate. But that's the point for most of these vegans. It's not about health. It's not about caring about the environment. They want to feel superior to everybody they talk to. That's why they bring that stuff up in conversations all the time. How often have you been having a discussion with someone and just out of the blue, they'll mention that they're vegan? 
like you'd be at the office and, and somebody will say, well, you know, I, I'm a vegan. So the way I would approach this and, and you just want to say, well, that's great, Ted, but we're talking about finding a cheaper supplier for toner cartridges. So I'm not really sure what you're going to have for lunch has to do with the discussion at hand. It, they just, they just seated in, in conversations where it does not fit. It's, it's, I find it awkward when people start talking about that. And it's just that, you know, I mean, they might as well start every sentence with, well, I'm better than you, so here's what I would do. Or, you know, I'm, I'm a better person than you are, so you should listen to me on this. You're not doing it for health, and you're not doing it because of the environmental impact, which is not nearly what they claim it is. They're doing it so they can look down their nose at you. And it's just, it's like people that claim that they're you know this good caring person because they vote democrat but you never hear about them volunteering at a homeless shelter they never volunteer for a charity they don't give to charity they feel like that going once every two years and voting straight democratic ticket is all they need to do to claim the title of a good caring empathetic person and it's just it's just a shortcut to feel better about yourself in the long run. That's all it amounts to, and it drives me insane when people do that. And while we're on the subject of things that is driving me nuts, I cannot believe what I'm seeing with all these artists pulling their music off Spotify simply because Joe Rogan's podcast is available on Spotify. I mean, Neil Young is sort of a folk singer. You know, 50 years ago, he was singing protest songs and talking about government overreach and the man and you know cracking down on people's freedoms and now he is refusing to let his music be available on spotify simply because somebody else on there said something that he didn't like how can neil young look himself in the mirror does he not see that you know what i'm doing is just 180 degrees departure from what i used to claim to believe i mean i mean we're in america and people are refusing to be associated with somebody simply because they said something they didn't like. And I have spent a good bit of time this week trying to find exactly what it is that Joe Rogan said that has the left's panties in such a twist. And I cannot find exactly what it is that's got everybody so upset, which is kind of a red flag when people are saying terrible things about somebody but they never have any specifics and they don't want you to know what was actually said that's a big red flag and i really i need to find a different search engine because google does not want you to get any information google wants you to see the information that google wants you to see and it's actually kind of related to the joe rogan thing this you know, we're going to label anything that we don't agree with as misinformation and you shouldn't be allowed to see it that's propaganda that is stuff that the Germans were doing in 1935. And I can't believe I have to say this in 2022, but if the Germans did it, it's probably not a good idea to follow the same plan. But in spite of my internet searches, and admittedly my internet investigatory skills are fair to Midland at best, I have not been able to find anything where somebody is making a list of the things that Joe Rogan said that were just so far above the line that he needs to be censored. Now, there is one thing that I'm aware of. I know that he did an interview with Dr. Sanjay Gupta a couple of months ago. And in that interview, he really held Dr. Gupta's feet to the fire about the fact that he had sat on CNN panels 
where people were calling ivermectin horse paste, and he just sat there silently and did not say anything. And Joe Rogan's whole point was, you're a doctor, you know that's not true, you shouldn't sit there and let them say that. You should speak up and say, you know, hey, yes, uh, ivermectin is used in horses, but it is not a horse medication. It was developed for humans. It was actually such a breakthrough that the year it was developed, the team that developed it won the Nobel Prize for Medicine that year. People don't seem to realize that almost 70% of human medications have some crossover into veterinary medicine. Because I know you look at a mammal and there's all different shapes, all different sizes. Some have long hair, some have no hair. Some mammals have what look like scales. Just physically, we look very different. But for all of our differences, our systems are more similar than they are different. I mean, yes, bats have wings. You know, most mammals walk on four legs. You know, we walk on two. But if you look at our skeletal structure, it's extremely similar. We all have a backbone. We all have four appendages. Some have tails, some don't, or most have tails, actually. But our systems are very similar. If you look at most mammals, or pretty much all mammals, you know, you've got a heart, lungs, liver, kidneys, spleen. All these things are doing the exact same function that they do in human beings. And the result of that is a lot of medicines that work in humans will work in animals in different doses and different delivery systems. But, you know, if you go to the doctor and he says, I'm going to write you a prescription for penicillin, do you start throwing stuff in the office screaming, why are you trying to give me pig antibiotics? No, of course not. But penicillin does work in pigs and a lot of other animals. Your dog will get penicillin from time to time. Your cat. It's just how medicine works. We're, we're more similar than we are different, and medicines that work on humans work on animals as well. And here's something I think most people at this point are aware that ivermectin was developed for humans and they won the Nobel Prize. Here's something a lot of people don't know, and it really puts a kind of sinister spin when these left-leaning politicians get on the news and start screaming about horse paste. Immigrants and refugees to this country. Now, it's not from any part of the world, I don't think. I think it's just specific regions of the planet, probably tropical locations where there's a lot of bloodborne pathogens. But refugees and immigrants to this country that are going to be here for a while are required under immigration law to take a round of ivermectin to get rid of any bloodborne parasites. If ivermectin is just horse paste and it's dangerous for humans to take, why are we forcing people new to this country to be on it for two weeks? Not recommended, required to enter the country. But they'll go on CNN and they'll say that you know these doctors are trying to give people veterinary medicine, which if that is the reason that everybody wants Joe Rogan off Spotify, you're saying that you just simply cannot stomach somebody wanting to have an honest discussion about the reality of a medication, which is just absolutely insane. Again, this is America. And people want somebody deplatformed. And that's another thing. They say, well, we don't want him canceled. We just want him deplatformed. Okay, so so you don't care if he does his show. You just don't want anybody to be able to listen to it. You want it in a little bubble where just Joe Rogan is talking to himself in his basement. Yeah, that that's a that's a huge distinction. You're absolutely right for feeling that way. 
But if that's the reason, if that's the only thing it is, which Joe Rogan was already on the shit list with the left because he very vocally left California because of all the insane laws they're passing. And again, he was extremely vocal about why he left and how unhappy he was with the politics political situation in California. So so he was already on the naughty list. This might have just been the thing that pushed everybody over the edge that they want to try to take him out. But again, the people that are defending this action and applauding these artists as heroes, and you know, they're really taking a stand. No, they're being fascists. And everybody says, well, you know, Spotify is a private company. They can set up their own rules and Going back to Google, editing what you can find in a Google search, everybody says the same thing. You know, well, they, you know, it's a private company. They they can set their rules and they can put what's on their website. Well, let, let's just do a little experiment for the people that think that is the correct way for a company to run. A few years ago, there was a huge story in the news that this baker refused to make a wedding cake for a gay couple. It was just plastered all over every news agency. Everybody was talking about it. It was just the most ridiculous, bigoted thing anybody's ever done. Well, that gentleman runs a private business. Shouldn't he be allowed to set the rules and decide how he wants to run that business? Why don't you feel the same way about that situation? And you don't even know the true situation because the story is never told as it happened. It's always twisted. Because the actual story, well, the story that you get is that this gay couple walked into this bakery and asked for this guy to make them a cake, and the guy started throwing food at them and goose-stepping around his bakery and threw them out. But the real story is is that this gay individual and this gentleman that run the cake factory had known each other for a very long time. He had made several cakes for this individual. They were sort of on friendly terms. I don't know that if they were friends in their personal life, but they had had a very long-standing, very good, very friendly relationship with each other for a long time. And it's just in this situation, he told this guy, listen, I'm sorry, this goes against my religion. I can't in good conscience make you a wedding cake because that goes against my religious beliefs. He was not mean. The guy knew how the guy felt about gay marriage. From what I understand, the gay couple was not really all that upset. They, they kind of understood. But the media grabs this stuff and just runs with it and turns it into something that it's not. And they never tell the people the truth. And then you've got people on Facebook shouting at each other because they believe the propaganda that CNN shoves down their throat. And then everybody's fighting and there's no reason for it. It's just they just they make this stuff into wedges and there's a portion of the population on either side of the aisle that will just swallow it hook, line and sinker and run off to battle. And all this garbage about ivermectin is the perfect example of that. Um, I've got people in my Facebook feed. I'm sure you do, too. That during the height of this argument, just posted multiple times about they're too intelligent to take animal medication. You know, they're not going to take horse paste. If if these people want to take horse paste, more power to them. That herd needs to be thinned out a little bit anyway. That's a direct quote from one of my liberal friends, by the way. It's kind of ironic and entertaining watching the list of this person that pretends to be very empathetic and inclusive just add to the list of the people he wants to see die horrible deaths. It just grows daily. I just, I, I love the irony of it as much as it irritates me that people can behave that way. It is kind of entertaining to watch. 
But I had several friends that were taking that bent in their Facebook feeds, and it's the exact same people that are just always screaming, follow the science, follow the science, and they pretend to be intellectuals. But it's actually, I've had another thought about this. If you're an atheist and you're looking for an argument for the fact that God does not exist, I would point to this as an example of a very good argument in that direction, because if somebody can yell at their friends on Facebook for two years that you've got to follow the science, you got to follow the science, these people are experts, you're a moron if you don't follow and do exactly what these people say, they've got our best interest at heart. If you can do that for two years and then turn around and call an award-winning, life-saving medication horse paste, the fact that you were not immediately and violently smited from the face of the earth is a pretty strong argument that there's no higher power out there watching over us, or at the very least that they don't care what goes on. Because if I was in charge and I saw that happen, there would be a meteorite plowing through that guy's living room two seconds after he hit post. And just real quick while we're on this subject, you cannot claim to be an intelligent person. And it seems like the people that are doing this are the ones that are always saying, you know, how how intelligent the left is. The people on the left are more intelligent than everybody else. You cannot be an intellectual when you voluntarily turned your brain off halfway through college so that a political party in Washington, D.C. can do your thinking for you. That's not what an intellectual does. An intellectual would see that while the left claims to be inclusive and caring and all about freedoms, everything they do is about control, about telling you how to live, about telling you what to think. I mean, we always talk about from 1984, the the book, not the year, the thought police. Well, we're there. People are getting fired because they're suspected for being racist. And and half the time you find out that there was nothing racist about their actions or thoughts. It was just taken that way. Well, you know, we're not going to take the chance. We're just going to fire you. We're firing people because of something that might or might not be in their heart and minds. That is fascism. We are at fascism, and it's another irony of life that the people that are screaming about fascism, they see Nazis everywhere, you are behaving exactly the way the Nazi party did in 1935. And it actually it has answered a question that I have had for my entire life, and that is, how in the hell did the German people do the things that they did in the 1930s and the 1940s? Now, it goes without saying that the leadership, Hitler, Goebbels, the leadership of the Nazi party, they were all batshit crazy. They were nuts. You have to be, there's something wrong with you to want to just wipe out a group of people, to try to take over the world, to kill millions of people in the, in the effort. There's something wrong with you if you hatch that plan and not only hatch it, but say, sounds good, let's go for it. But the people of Germany, how did the people of Germany let the leadership steer them in that direction. I'd always, you know, how do you get an entire nation of people to go along with this insane plan? Our behavior for the last 10 years on social media, it has shown me exactly how it happened in Germany. Because I'm sure that in Germany, this is the exact same thing that happened. You had about 20% of the people that were just absolutely on board with the Nazi party. They were there for Every idiotic plan, every violent action, you know, rounding people up in the streets, the executions on the street corners, they were for all of it. 
Everybody else thought it was nuts. But a good portion of the people, just like the middle of the country here, they're going to keep their mouth shut because they don't want the argument. They are just doing their own thing. They've got their own problems. They're not going to worry about what those nut jobs in the brown shirts are doing. Take a look at Facebook and see if you see some similarities there. You have got a small group of people on both sides of the aisle that are just screaming insanities. And everybody else just just keeps scrolling. It's like, I wish that guy would shut up. That is what happened in Germany. You had a small group of people that went out and they were just, uh, they were conducting a holy war on behalf of the Nazi party. And they made everybody else just want to just, I'm going to go home and I'm not going to worry about what the hell you're doing. Just leave me alone. And that's exactly what I see when I see people on Facebook calling Neil Young a hero because he's throwing a hissy fit because Spotify won't censor someone that he said needs to be taken off the air. When I see people do that stuff on Facebook, I know, I absolutely know that if that person was in Berlin in 1936, he or she would have been at the front of the line just chomping at the bit to start chucking novels and textbooks onto the fire. But the good news is, is that despite what it feels like, this is a very, very small portion of the country. Most people don't feel this way, and this stuff runs its course. The pendulum always swings back. And this nonsense where people are just saying these insane things and attacking people over what they, what they might or might not feel or think, it's getting ready to run its course because people are getting fed up with this nonsense. I think CNN's viewership is down like 90% over their all-time high. People are getting fed up. Like I say, this stuff runs its course. But that's how all of these social trends go. They start out strong, and then they get a little ridiculous, and then they become farcical, and then they become punchlines. And we all move on, and we'll get a year or two in between the next insane thing, and we can all kind of catch our breath and get our feet back underneath us. But that's where this woke culture virtue signaling garbage is going. It's gotten to the ridiculous point. The movement is starting to eat its own. And that is a sure sign that this garbage has entered the final stage of its life cycle. And hopefully this time next year, the only time you hear about woke culture will be a punchline in a sitcom. All right, guys, that's about all I've got for you today. I thank you for sitting with me and listening. If you enjoyed the show, please leave me a like and a comment and a subscription would be fantastic. I would certainly appreciate that. As always, you can leave me a message at freshfrozensoutherner at gmail.com or the Fresh Frozen Southerner Facebook page. All right, guys, I hope you had a good weekend. I will talk to you soon and have a good one. Thank you very much.